Join us for Captain's Campaign for Cures. If you plan to attend Vive or Hims this year, get a photo with Captain, our lovable service dog, and we will donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation to find cures for childhood cancer. For every person in the photo, we will donate $1 to Alex's Lemonade Stand. All you have to do is find Captain, grab your friends, take a picture, share it on social media, and put the hashtag Captain Lemonade or This Week Health, and we will make that donation for every person who's in that picture. Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Today in health IT, people trust generative AI. Do you? My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. In 2023, to celebrate five years at This Week Health, we are working to give back. We are partnering with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long. We have a goal to raise $50,000, and for the first time you're hearing this, we have raised $50,000 for the year. We are excited. We believe in the generosity of our community and you have not let us down. We ask you to join us, hit our website and in the top right-hand column, you're gonna see a logo for the Lemonade Stand. Go ahead and click on that and give today. Thank you again for your great generosity. All right, reading this story, it's Workweek, workweek.com. Should consumers trust generative AI? And then it says, wrong question. And this is actually focused on another industry. It's not specifically focused on healthcare. I'm going to bring it back into healthcare because I, I think the question they're asking is, should consumers trust generative AI? And the, the conclusion is that they do trust generative AI, probably more so than we're comfortable with. So they cite a couple of things. According to a recent survey from The Motley Fool, 54% of US consumers have used ChatGPT to recommend a financial product such as a credit or debit card, bank account, broker, mortgage, lender, insurance provider, or personal loan. A dis different survey also from Motley Fool found that 47% of US adults have used ChatGPT for stock recommendations. And while that's probably not a great idea since the model was trained on a couple year old data, or at least it's it's uh, cut off at a certain time frame, people are still doing that. Consumers are bullish on the technology. And according to another survey from the Nationwide Retirement Institute, 31% of US consumers feel ChatGPT will provide better financial advice than a human financial advisor in the next five years. The percentage jumps up to 37% for Gen Z and a whopping 43% for millennials. The optimism is, to put it mildly, not shared by those human financial advisors. And let me give you a little feedback here. It is by no, this is a quote, it is by no means going to provide you with a way to beat the market. Douglas Boneparth, a certified financial planner and president of the, and founder of Bonafide Wealth tells CNBC, Bonaparte himself put ChatGPT's financial acumen to the test and says the results weren't great. He asked the tool to build him a hypothetical diversified portfolio with 80% equity and 20% fixed income and gave it a few parameters, risk characteristics and guidance as to what kind of exchange traded funds he wanted to use. I was presented with a table that added up to more than 100%, he says. After informing ChatGPT of this, I tried to correct this error, but didn't necessarily pull the right information, he says. 
you know, it's interesting because I think when people interact with ChatGPT, it's not hard to come up with a scenario and say, hey, this doesn't work. What I'm finding is that the people who are getting the most out of it really do work at the prompts and continue to work at the prompts and get better at it. That's not to say that these models don't hallucinate and it's not to say that they don't have current information, but it is to say that the prompt does matter. But that's not the point of this story. The point of this story is people do trust these models. And so the LLMs are getting used. And that is the the, the primary thrust of this story. So it goes on, democratizing access to expertise. Let's start here. As a general rule, I think humans tend to trust experts more than we trust regular people. And we tend to trust regular people more than we trust machines. Driving is a good example. If Lewis Hamilton is chauffeuring you across and you get the idea, we don't trust self-driving cars as much as we trust a limo driver. Here's the problem though. Experts are inconvenient, right? Limo drivers are inconvenient. Experts are a pain to deal with. They generally don't communicate well. They speak in jargon. They equivocate and constantly change their minds. And because there aren't a lot of them and their expertise is in demand, they aren't very accessible. Lewis Hamilton doesn't have time to show for you across LA. And if he did, you wouldn't be able to afford him. Thus, over time, society has come up with lots of mechanisms to make expertise more accessible. One of them being large language models. Examples they give, Wikipedia. Goal of Wikipedia, according to the co-founder, is to create the world, create a world in which every single person on the planet is given free access to the sum of all human knowledge. And the Wikipedia essentially put encyclopedias out of business, social media, well, the internet did that, but encyclopedias, social media, compared to the noble mission and nonprofit status of Wikipedia, I know that social media feels like an incongruous inclusion on a list of technologies that have democratized access to expertise, but I think you can easily make the case that social media has had a big or bigger impact on the dissemination of knowledge than Wikipedia. And I think that's absolutely true. My brother and I were having a conversation and he was talking about the weapon systems being used in the Ukraine. And I'm like, where are you getting this information? And it was Twitter. He was getting it from Twitter or X. Are we going to call it X now? We're we going to call it Twitter. Who knows? I'll, I'll call it X, formerly known as Twitter. That's what I'll do for now. And he was getting all the information from there. So yes, it is a way to disseminate information. And now we have generative AI and it talks about that. While it's still very new, I think generative AI has the potential to be the most accessible interface to expert knowledge ever invented. And so, you know, we go down and it it talks about, you know, is this good, is it bad? A regular person with a question will first go to Google. They might start going to generative AI first. And this is why Google's a little concerned. They will go to social media, they'll go to Wikipedia, and they'll go to to an expert probably last on that list, unless it's something that they absolutely need an expert for, or money is no object, and finding an expert is not that hard. The internet enables, it goes on, the internet enables anyone to directly access most expert knowledge. You can actually read those academic research papers yourself. But instead, we need it to be laundered through a series of intermediary layers, each designed to dumb it down and make it engaging enough to capture the 15-second attention spans of our modern smartphone-addicted brains. (laughs) That That is one of the problems. So he says, you know, if you're an expert, so in this case, he's talking about financial services. If you're a financial advisor, 
He said, you know, there is a case for optimism, and and it is that there's an opportunity to to disseminate expert knowledge through these tools. And he said, you know, essentially something is better than nothing. According to a survey by Northwestern Mutual, U.S. consumers view financial advisors as the most trustworthy source for financial advice and social media as the least trustworthy source. Interestingly, this holds true even when you isolate the data to just focus on millennials or Gen Z. And yet, according to the same survey, only 37% of America's, Americans work with a financial advisor. And according to a different survey from Forbes, only 11% of Gen Z and millennials Americans work with a financial advisor. So you get where I'm going with this. This is the same thing that's going to happen in healthcare, right? So these same surveys, I'm sure we're going to be able to do these same surveys in the next uh, year or so, six months to a year, and people are going to going to be going to generative AI for healthcare information. So it behooves us to understand that that is what's going to to happen, and to figure out a way to become as the health system more accessible for information, whether that be utilizing the models of GPT four or even training our own models. And I've talked to some CIOs that are training their own models. Now, these are some of the larger health systems, some of the, some of the ones with the wherewithal to do that. Some of the academic medical centers, they are training their own models for different applications. With that being said, people are going to, going to be accessing this. The best thing to do is to train people on how to access it effectively. Maybe you have something on your health system's site that helps them with the prompts to ask the right question. Maybe you have a prompt generator that you help people to generate the right prompts around medical challenges and whatnot. But I think what we wanna do is we wanna become the trusted source for information for anything health related. I put a survey out there this week. If you wanna check it out, it went out on Monday and it is uh, a lot of health systems have rebranded to health. So it'll be blah, 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 health instead of blah, 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 healthcare moving forward. And, and I think, I can't think of one that hasn't. Most have, and we're saying, hey, we're health companies. Well, that branding hasn't worked. Most people still consider us healthcare, not health. The thing that needs to change in order for us to be considered health is to be the source, to be the first place that people go when they are thinking of a health question. They don't think of going to Google they think I'm going to go to my local healthcare provider and put a search in there, and and that and or a suite of tools. There could be gen AI tools for us to utilize on the website. There could be a specific chatbot on on the there for a website. And the thing that's interesting and distinct about our capabilities is we could take those questions and lead them into a funnel, which leads to an appointment with a primary care doc or even a telehealth visit. So. They make the case for adding layers to the stack makes the whole stack more valuable. So a regular person has a question and they say, utilizing these, these various steps, generative AI, social media, Wikipedia, expert knowledge, the person can get an answer to those questions. This is a great article, by the way, it goes on and there's more to be said in this article. But again, it's workweek.com. It's July 28th. It's on FinTech specifically. So you're probably not finding it if you're, if you're just filtering your stories based on healthcare, but I think it has application. This is about consumer behavior. How are our consumers 
looking for health data and health information. By the way, I think this is a good story that goes along with another story. Let me pull it up real quick. GPT-4 medical benchmarks is interesting. It's not really a story. It's a 33-page PDF published by Microsoft and OpenAI. And it's the capabilities of GPT-4 on medical challenge problems. And you're going to see that it, it does pretty well on these on these medical specific tests, but, but it's not perfect, right? I mean, so you, you start to wonder, it's like, are, are people going to generative AI, are they gonna get the right answer about healthcare? And the answer to that is in some cases they will, in some cases they won't, but it's the same people that are going to Google. And in some cases they'll get the right answer, in some cases they won't. And it's the same people that are going to go to WebMD. In some cases, they're going to get self-diagnosing is, is, as you know, not perfect. The question is, if we're a health company, we are concerned about how to help our consumers utilize the information that's available to them. If we're a healthcare company, we just want people to come in our front door so that we can get reimbursed for that visit. So if we're going to be health, we have to start thinking differently about the tools that are readily available to our consumers and how to help them be able to utilize those tools. Interesting story, thought I'd share it with you. That's all for today. If you know someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, and Stitcher's going out of business. So if you're listening there, you might wanna pop over to one of the others. But you get the picture, we are everywhere. We wanna thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.